Hey, man, what are we doing in the woods again? I guess they're renovating the dorms or something? I thought they were demolishing them. I'm super fucking confused. Yeah, I have no fucking... Is that a space ball? I think it's one of their stunt doubles. There goes the neighborhood. Watch out! Here comes the spooky! What's going on, chuds and chudettes? Here comes the Spookies back to you with episode four. We want to take you to UCLA and talk about some door than super trippy. We're also going to hit you with a special list from Screen Rant about the second best horror movies ever made. So take a beer, tie your buddy to a chair, and make him listen to the second favorite podcast. Hey, Nachos, how's it going tonight? What the fuck you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. So Cincinnati Jeff back, got Nachos McGuero here, and we're here to take you to UCLA to talk about some dorms. They're super drippy. They're super nasty. Totes drippy. Before we get into it, though, I want to talk about a little horror movie news. A couple of things. One, John Carpenter. Maybe you guys have heard of him. Are you familiar with John Carpenter, Nachos? Yeah, he directed this movie, right? I don't believe this movie, but he's done one or two. Oh, he did uh, 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 Escape from L.A. And Manos, Hands of Fate. That old chest. I'm just lying. That's a piece of shit. Uh, John Carpenter, who has done several fucking horror movies. Uh, He was the writer and director for Halloween, writer and producer for Halloween Part 2, Escape from New York, Escape from L.A., among other things, maybe In the Mouth of Madness, Prince of Darkness, some things you probably have heard of. He is currently writing a new comic for DC Comics. Uh, They're having a big crossover for Year of the Villain, where basically Lex Luthor has, like, these cosmic powers that he got from a magic doorknob. And I'm not, like, paraphrasing. He literally got it from a magic fucking doorknob. Did R.L. Stein write this? I read comics. Did Dean Coots write this? Constantly. Like, I get Marvel and I get DC every week and I've been following this story since it started out this whole year of the villain thing and it's real fucking confusing basically Lex Luthor finds a magic doorknob that has a special mark on it that gives him cosmic powers and lets him like kill himself then come back as like a brainiac type <laughs> like super body and he like is able to rewrite history with uh, just it's it, with like an unimaginable powers it, it's really weird Anyway, they do special segments for Year of the Villain where, like, villains get their own special comic and storyline. One of them was Sinestro, who is the main villain for Green Lantern and Hal Jordan. He has for a... For the people that don't know. All right, Right, yeah. like, Hal, like, Sinestro has, like, a new ring that is the from the unseen spectrum. The Whoa. spectrum of emotion. But here's the weird thing. It's, like, purple or indigo, which we've Compassion. already seen, right? But it's, like, unseen emotions. It's hard to follow. Either way, John Carpenter is writing a special one-shot issue for The Joker, which I'm very yep, super excited about. doesn't matter. Right? It, I could, mean, it could be The Joker shitting in a cardboard box for 42 pages. You got my fucking money. Well, you know you're going to read it, and you're going to hear it all in Mark Hamill's voice, for starters. Plus, it's John Carpenter. This guy just does some of the best stuff. He wrote so many spectacular horror movies like The Thing. And just among many other ones. And he's actually written several other comics. He did uh, a bunch of anthologies called Scary Story Anthologies. I heard about that. Halloween. 
yeah, he's got like five volumes of them. They're like trade paperback only, uh, sort of like Tales from the Crypt or Vault of Horror kind of thing. But it's John Carpenter doing whatever the fuck he wants, yeah. and you just sit there and you smile and you let him. It's like, did you see, t- you saw Tales from Halloween. I love or, Tales from Halloween. So it's kind of like that, but it's a comic book version, and he's done like five volumes where it's just different stories, and he has them written, and other artists come in and, and, and do the art for it. Do you know what his favorite pastime is? I don't. Getting fucking ripped and playing video games. Really? Dead serious. Uh, John Carpenter was talking about reviving the Dead Space series. Ooh, that would I be will good. fucking trade veins out of my arm for currency to make sure that happens. Is it like Bitcoins? I don't fucking know. <laughs> I just... Get a little Bitcoin for some blood? John Carpenter could put a golf shoe on and kick me in the fucking mouth, and I'd greet it with a smile. Oh, absolutely. Everything that guy does is fucking fantastic, except for Ghost from Mars. Uh, dude, that movie was badass. Space Nitrous, Natasha Hentridge. Ice Cube. Ice Cube. Jathan Stathman. <laughs> or, I wouldn't say it was badass. I do enjoy it as it's a... It's bad. Hyphen. Ass? It's a fun, like, sci-fi movie. I wouldn't even call it, like, a horror movie. I do like... In the 90s, like the late 90s, they had a bunch of like sci-fi movies where they went to Mars, like Red Planet and things like that, which had like Val Kilmer in it. Well, do you know what uh, Escape from... Or, I'm sorry. Um, Ghost of Mars was going to be... I was going to be the third Snake Plissken movie. But, really? Uh, like yeah. in space? or? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be Escape from Earth, but then... Holy fucking shit. Strap in, dude. Do you know who was originally going to play Natasha Hentress? Did... Natasha... I can't say her fucking name. I don't. Court, Courtney fucking Love. Really? Yeah. Her boyfriend ran over her foot. Billy that, Corgan? Oh, I don't... I, probably not. Uh, ran over her foot so she couldn't do it. So let's just um, so take my a moment. No, my knowledge of Courtney Love, she's only dated three people in her life. Billy Corgan, Kurt Cobain, and Who? heroin. Ah! Let's, uh, let's take a sip. To admire this man who ran over her foot so she couldn't be in this fucking She's also had a special relationship with whoever makes Remington shotguns. Oh. That comes from a place of love slash hate because I'm a huge Kirk O'Bain Nirvana fan. Jeffy blew my mind. Jeffy Combs. Jeffy Cincinnati. Super dark. Anyway, John Carpenter writing these comics. Uh, So he's written several before, like I said, the Scary Story Anthology. And he also wrote... A couple of Big Trouble Little China storylines that continue on from past the movie. He's got like a... Snake Plissken, uh, Jack Burton team up. Yeah, he's got three. So there's Big Big Trouble Little China, like the comic that just like branches off of the original movie. He's done the... There's lore to be told. A second one where it's like Jack Burton meets up with Snake Plissken. They're both played by Kurt Russell. Does Captain Ron show up? Oh, God, I wish. That, (laughs) that, I would love that. And then his third one... Which is kind of neat. He did a little bit later. It's like two years ago uh, where it's Old Man Jack, which basically plays off of the Marvel version of Old Man Logan. It's like the future. It's it's 2020 and we have Old Man Jack Burton and the Porkchop Express and we figure out what happens to Lopan and basically he's fighting like another like Wait, old which Asian Lopan? wizard. Are we talking the little old man or the seven foot wizard I just hit with my truck? <laughs> Both. What? Okay. So he's like fighting like a new old Lopan. And, uh, yeah, so it's like Jack Burton, old old Jack Burton kind of thing. So it's old man Jack. And he, and he did this over on. They're, they're really, really cool. They're very fun to read. John Carpenter is just a fantastic writer. I would love to see him do 
short stories or anthologies like Stephen King has done, like Skeleton Crew and like Four to Midnight and stuff like that? Cincinnati Jeff, I, I gotta ask you a question. Are you a little upset that Jack Burton has never been a playable character in the Mortal Kombat franchise? I gotta say yes. Out of all the characters that we've gotten past, present, and future, especially with like Spawn coming and the Terminator, we've got supposedly Freddy. Ashley J. Williams. We've got Jason, which was really fun. We Fuck got a, yeah. We got Leatherface out of nowhere, which Xenomorphs. I mean, if you played Predators. Mortal Kombat X, uh, you you had Jason, the Xenomorphs, Predator. You had um, you like Ugh. they brought back like it was like an extra skin for Jax. Where you had um, Carl fucking Weathers, dude. Yeah, Carl Weathers playing his version of the character from Predator. They even had him like voice him, so it's really cool. Dylan, you son of a bitch. So they bring all that stuff back, and like I would love to see like a Jack Burton Porkchop Express, or they've teased us with an Ashton J. Williams. Oh my from god, Evil that's Dead. his fatality. He fucking runs over you with a Porkchop Express. Kind of like Batman. In, he doesn't. Justice. He doesn't actually do any moves because if you look at Big Trouble in Little China. Jack Burton is not the hero of that movie. He fucking no. It's Gracie un- Law. <laughs> Give me a second. <laughs> he fucking unloads that Uzi. Chunk of ceiling drops on his head and knocks him the fuck out. Uh, well, I mean, you've ever faced drywall? Yeah. It's so dry. <laughs> um, what were we talking about? <laughs> John Carpenter doing DC Comics. He's doing a Joker, which shocker you have one of the best directors of all time do one of the funnest super villains of all time so. it's supposed to be just basically joker cut loose going crazy full murdering people we i've seen it before in a couple of different runs but they try to rein it in as best they can but obviously when you got john carpenter writing a single issue you know it's going to get nuts for like you 36 give him pages the keys to the fucking book and you're like you do whatever you want mm-hmm. now uh does this have any correlation with a Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie coming up? It doesn't. Uh, Salsa Von Mummy, thoughts on that? Salsa Von Mummy says no. It actually, so it doesn't. You've got the whole Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie. It's like a different. No, I mean, like, what's your take on that movie? Oh, uh, I haven't seen it obviously because it's not out yet. But yeah. I don't, I don't think that I'm gonna be a fan. I will wait till it comes out on home video. I home video is this fucking 1992 is is Alfred going to bring you the Coca-Cola commercial for the Batman VHS in a world with too many Batmans here comes a Joker movie you didn't want all right so I'll straight say it I'm calling it right now in the theater somebody's gonna dress up like Batman and bring people back from the dead seems a little out there but I haven't seen it so it could happen what I'm just saying I'm not excited for it. I'm I'm not a fan of giving the Joker an origin. Don't just like Deadpool. Don't. Yeah, and they they already stated like it's it's totally different from the Batman universe. I'm like, well, then it doesn't exist because the Joker only exists because of Batman and vice versa. There there can't be one without the other. You don't just like eat peanut butter sandwiches without marriage. the jelly. Yeah, it, it just I don't know. It they're not selling it to me. They're selling it to the general public who seem to be excited about it. But me as a fan, we're literally sitting in a room with. Tens of thousands of comic books right now, and I can tell you right now, I'm not fucking excited about it. I'm looking at a Joker action figure, so... Uh, right? <clears throat> so, uh, I was gonna say, I'll give it benefit of the doubt, because right now I'm anticipating this movie, like, getting shot in the face with a shotgun full of goose shit. Not very. Like Joker makeup? 
Or like that episode of The Simpsons. I was just going to say, where Homer's got the makeup gun, and fucking he shoots it Marge at Marge. like, boop! And it's just like, just, it's just like whore makeup on the back. Whores up the wall. Um, <laughs> like. It's like Dolly Parton just fucking sticking to it. I thought, I thought Heath Ledger was going to be pure fucking garbage, because like, his costume, he looked like a, a bag lady, you know, he didn't look great. But then he brought me like, and I, I fucking. I liked his costume, I thought it was pretty neat. So, like, who did that book? Was it, like, Paul uh, Ablacuso or whatever? It, it's the book. I think either they based the Heath Leather Joker off that. He did that same one. He did that Lex Luthor run, too. The Joker. Yes. Yeah. Dude, that is fucking beautiful. That's and... good where, like, he gets out of Arkham and he just, like, he's basically running his own crime organization. It's, like, fucking around. He's got, a like, a, like a no-level guy basically driving It's from around. his POV. Mm-hmm. Um, now listeners i i don't expect a lot of you to know how to read and that's all right that's why you're listening to us right you're listening because you can't read i mean so if you get a chance check out this book i think the cover is like it's almost heath leisure ish joker it's they, just a big glasgow smile and it's just called joker i think uh, i don't think it's called anything else there's two really good joker books it's this one and then the killing joke never heard of it uh, there's a third one that actually I, I lied. There's three. There's another one called The Man Who Laughs, which is based on Batman's original meeting with the Joker. Uh, it's pretty. They fun. met at an Applebee's. Joker ran out on his fucking bill. It's basically from like uh, Jim Gordon's point of view. Fun. So it, it's a pretty good one. But uh, moving on, yeah, we got John Carpenter. Why are we moving on? We can talk about this shit all day. He's writing the new Joker comic. I'm excited to read it. I'm very, very, very excited. I can't wait to see the artwork. Uh, next we up uh, we got uh, Scream Factory. So we've already talked about Scream Factory a couple times on the show. Scream they Factory do, is like the patriot saint of fucking horror movies. They bring they back love you like some of the best horror movies that like either we're waiting on to either get a new Blu-ray release with special features from DVD or movies that had never even gotten a proper DVD release that are only on VHS. Hey Scream Factory, if you're listening, Project Fucking Metal Beast, get at me. It's on Tubi. <laughs> to be or not to be i want my fucking screen factory version of it so yeah. screen factory they do wonderful like transitions from like a 4k restoration and things like that from the original like 35 millimeter print they they put a lot of hard work into their movies they love you and they're affordable yes they are usually 20 22 bucks for a blu-ray sometimes blu-ray dvd combo they give you special artwork Sometimes they put it on a tin, covers. like a you know special tin box with slip covers, and it's maybe an extra five bucks. An or you action can, figure, or you can get it without it. Sometimes, like Nacho's just said, you get it with an action figure. My Night of the Creeps, I bought a special edition version of that where I got a Tom Atkins action figure, and I, you know, not to brag, but paid seventy bucks for this set because when am I ever going to get a chance to get a Tom Atkins action figure? Never. Yeah, think about it. Because this is that. That is that opportunity. And they, usually when they do the super special stuff like that, they limit it to like 2,000. It's not like, ooh, from like midnight to noon on today, you can only get it. Like, it's pretty slow selling. Anybody has a chance to get a copy. I did the same thing for uh, Silent Night, Did the Night 1, and Silent Night, Did the Night 2. So I got the Billy Chapman and the Eric Freeman. Dude, fuck it. Let's talk about it. Who did we meet in Whorehound? Tom Atkins. Oh, what yeah. did you talk about? We talked about the figure that was coming out. It hadn't come out yet, but we were talking about it. And I was like giving him details, and he was like schooling me because I was getting some shit wrong. I was like, "Well, Tom, I don't have it yet." So he was dropping fucking trivia nugs, and like, oh, I can't really talk about it, but uh, the beer I come with, I come with two beers. It's called um, Decker, like not William Decker. That's uh, 
sticking up the marrow. I think. Don't school me, guys. You calm the fuck down. So he comes with a, a can of Decker. Oh, and, it is Decker beer. And then he comes with a bottle uh, that says Atkins Light. Oh, because if you're on, on the, the Atkins diet. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. But Scream Factory just does a ton of fun stuff. They've got some really good new releases that are coming out uh, later in 2019 and 2020. We, uh, first up, we've got Road Games. This is a like little-known slasher starring Jamie Lee Curtis. Maybe you've heard of her. What? And Stacey Keach. Old hair lip. Yeah. So basically... Just kidding. Stacey Keach would beat the fucking teeth out of me. Oh, he's a fucking big me. dude. So basically, it's uh, if you saw Duel... I love Duel. That is one of the most criminally under... That's like Spielberg's first flick. Yeah, that's a good movie. It's like Jaws with cars. Hold up. Now I'm thinking like the shark, Decepticon shark. <laughs> that's not real. Go ahead. Is so it? basically, it's a movie where they piss... Shark. So if you saw Joyride, basically Joyride's a ripoff of... of, of or a love ladder. And it's Kane. really good. And again, Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, Halloween, Terror Train, all that fun stuff. Trading places. A fish called Wanda. They're doing the Fly Collection. Oh, shit. They're doing all five of them. Yes. So you get the original Fly. Vincent Price. From the 50s. Return of the Fly. Also Vincent Price. Curse of the Fly. Whoa, I didn't know they made three of them. Yeah, so all three early versions like Vincent Price style. Then you also get the Fly 1986 with Jeff Goldblum. Directed by... David Cronenberg, right? Motherfucking Cronenberg. That is one of the grossest movies I've ever seen. My dad let me watch that movie. He used to take me to this place in Smithton, Illinois called One Stop Video. And I would always peruse the horror movies. And he would always oversee what I was going to pick. He would pick whatever thing he wanted to watch with me. It'd be like Murder of Crows or like Highlander 3. And he'd make me look away during like the booby shots. But then he'd let me pick like a horror Only movie. Sometimes he would suggest one if I couldn't figure out one. So like he had me like watch The Abyss, and then he was like, "We eh. should watch The Fly." And I'm like, "Ah, that doesn't sound real good." He's like, "Trust me, you're it's gonna like, like it." Cincinnati Jeff, I need to psychologically ruin you as a human at this young age. And that is such a good, and it's so gross with the whole like I don't want to give it away, but there's a big like. Oh, by the way, if you've never seen Cronenberg's uh, The Fly from 1986. I was going to say seven, but yeah, you got me beat. You're fucking up. What are you, unless you're like 10 years old listening to this, just go watch that movie. Get a fucking bucket to vomit in. And dude, it's so great. Great special. Gina effects. Davis Solid, kills yeah. it. Gina Davis, Jeff she, Goldblum. She, the, the iconic line, if you've ever heard anybody say, be afraid, be very afraid. Guess where that came from? The fly. The fly. And it is so good. So then we've got that on there. And then we also got The Fly 2, which is a sequel. Criminally underrated, Chrome directed by, I want to say, Mick Garris. Uh-huh. You got fucking Potato Head, uh, 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 Eric Stoltz. Maybe I shouldn't call him Potato Head. You know, like the movie The Mask, where he's got the fucking potato head. A.K.A. <laughs> OG Marty McFly. So just a fantastic set. They did sets like this original, like already, where like they did the Omen, Critters, had, like one, two, and three, plus the remake. They did Critters recently, where you had all those. And Which, there's a new Critters out. I didn't know this. There's by the two way. new Critters movies. I saw them at Walmart. What the fuck is that? Kind of think about picking them up. There's one on Shutter. Did you see that? No, I haven't watched either of them. So but they like have a on Blu-ray. mini series they made into. It's fucking redonkulous. Check it out. Better than Critters three or no? Uh, finding broken glass in your dick hole is better than Critters 3. Okay, so I'll check it out. Yes. They're also, also doing... Also, check out your dick hole. <laughs> They're also doing a movie from 1981 called The Fan. 
This is a very eighty one. Yeah, this is a this is not, not the De Niro. Yeah, not the De Niro fan. Not the one with uh Pat Oswalt. Right. No, this one like stars a couple people that you may know. One for sure, a little man called Michael Behan and Michael Bean Bacall. This Michael Behan, right? He's in Aliens. Are you saying this wrong to fuck with me? Behan. Is it Bean? B I E H N. I always thought it was Michael Bean. Am I not saying it right? I don't know. I could be wrong. Um. Anyway, yeah, moving. He's on. Ringo from John Ringo. Uh, the uh, fucking uh, Tombstone. Tombstone. Thank you. Which is one of the most quotable movies in the fucking history of the world. Uh, by the way, like there's every, every line of dialogue in that movie is Shakespearean. You can say it at any fucking given point. I'm your Huckleberry. You I brought a, a gun double. for each one. I got of you. gun. Yeah. <laughs> You can do it all. T- Let's not all forget time, all day. a little music video he was in. Oh, tell me about that music video, Mike. He was in a music video. <laughs> Nachos. What was that music video? Who, who wrote, directed, and starred in this music video? Whose band was this? Please, actually, Michael James Bean, motherfucking Cameron, directed mm-hmm. the video. Whoa. The band is Martini Ranch. Uh, let me do this like Casey Kasem. All right, let's just start all over. <sighs> Edit this out by not editing this out. You want me to do the Casey Kasem then? Lead you into it? Uh, well, no, I, I was good. Today on our top 40, we've got Martini Ranch by... No, no, that's the band. Oh, my bad. I got it. Uh, coming at you off the, the billboard. I mean, that's Harry Carey. Does Casey Kasem have a stroke? Is that why he sounds like that? No, but do you know how he died? He fucking wandered off into the wilderness and got eaten by animals. I don't think that's real because he died in a hospital bed. Out in the wilderness, because they he, were us? renovating. <laughs> okay, anyway, maybe, maybe. Uh, so I need to fact band, check this shit. Whose band is it, Mike? It's Bill Paxton. Rest in motherfucking peace. And it's direct. The music video is directed by James Cameron of Terminator Two fame. Several other movies you've probably seen, like Aliens and things like that. The song is called Motherfucking Reach. It's not called Motherfucking Reach. It's called Reach. And I, I can't even talk about it it's this crazy long video that's like set in a western it's like a cyberpunk western kind of thing slap me some skin you big bone jerky neck <laughs> uh nachos is such a big fan of this when we were at horror hound in oh, march shit. we were sitting at a panel with the club dread guys you guys yeah club dread if who, you haven't seen it they're the same super troopers dude beer fest they, right so in, in uh slamming salmon so that right we're sitting there, and uh, not a lot of people are like asking questions. So Nachos and I are, are half drunk, half on. I am over. fucking floored. I don't know what you're talking about. You guys like, went and we're to like, bed and quit we're basically drinking. like, like holding our hands up, just bogarting the mic, and we're just passing Who questions it? It back was and like forth. Forest, or it was Foster and uh, not Mac, Rabbit, yeah, or whatever their real names are. They'll always be those characters. It's gonna be so fun. we're like going back and forth with them, and then like Nachos like raises his hand for like his second question in a row and he asked about B- bill paxton what, what's it like? what was and it like? martini what, what, what ranch and like talking about the movie like he's praising it and like the little music video and like they like just like and they're like well we know he had that band tumbleweed rolled by on stage i'm like this is ohio and then the they just cut to like next person <sighs> is the best thing in the world because all fucking weekend he's maybe watched this video probably 10 times each day i've seen it a whole bunch even before that and he just fucking would let it go. And then these guys just fucking shut him down. It was fantastic. Anyway. It's like that part in RoboCop, the video game, where the dude runs up and pulls your battery out. 
Moving on. The fan. Super oh, good. Yeah. It's got some fantastic dialogue. Fantastic. Dude, some really good shit. So he Michael Bean 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 is the is the fan here. He's a crazy serial killer. He writes Lauren Bacall, who's an actress, this letter, and it, it's just one of the best things I've ever heard. She like is reading it like in her own voice. Dearest bitch, Whoa. I've exhausted myself to think of the perfect way to kill you. See how accessible you are? How would you like to be fucked with a meat cleaver? Verbatim from the movie. That alone should tell you that this is fucking fantastic. It's real good. They're also doing a Blu-ray version of My Bloody Valentine, the 1981 version, which has never been on Blu-ray at this point. They've had a couple of VHS movies, a DVD that was cut. They eventually, like, I think Lionsgate or TriStar, I forget who, finally released a uncut version with like the extra gore that has been missing since the 80s and it's like um not video what do you call that daily quality it's not fantastic but Beats screen factory is going to get to it and you know they're going to treat it well and then we're also getting a u.s version of silver bullet so silver bullet has been on blu-ray it's a stephen king movie i saw that i'm kind of upset i have the umbrella version which has which is the uk version right and that's beautiful but oh. it's region free yes yes not rain free. It's rain. Free. It's region free. So All right. It's a it's a UK version of the movie, but it can be watched on any Blu-ray player. And uh, you know, Scream Factor is going to give it the extra special love. Oh my God! Yeah, because uh, Red Shirt's going to jump in and throw you all. And this, this is great. It's got. Oh my God! What if they get Gary Busey, who's doing absolutely right? nothing? You got Corey Haim in the movie. You got Gary. Yeah, Busey. they'll get him to do some special features, right? I don't think Corey Haim's going to be doing much. Oh, I thought his career was dead, not just him. <laughs> Emo. T- I'll save it for next time. So that's all I got from Screen Factory. Nachos, you got anything? Uh, from Arrow? Oh, yeah. So I kind of wanted... I was pondering this the other day, a.k.a. today. So The Exorcist 3 is coming out, and I want to say Arrow is doing a release on that. So Screen Factory already did an Exorcist 3, right? Holy shit. They have the definitive and version. And you have that version, right? Yes, it is. So it, you get two versions. The original. Of, yes, uh, the theatrical release and then like the director's cut, which is has like extra scenes and basically like a different story altogether, right? Yes and no. It's not as drastic as Halloween Six, uh, theatrical versus producer's cut, but the whole deal was it was not not Blatty. Yeah, I think Blatty had a lot to do with that or whatever. Who's Blatty? Uh, Blatty is the dude who uh, I want to say. God, I'm gonna sound like such a fucking bungus over here. I don't even know the proper names. Uh, Blatty is like the dude that wrote the original Exorcist that had a lot of fucking weigh-in. Oh, right on. Okay, I'm following It's you. like William H. Blatty? William? Anyway, so like, The Exorcist 2 never happened. This is a terrible movie. The Jesus Exorcist fucking too. Christ. It's like watching a puppy freeze to death on Christmas morning. We're going to get to it one day. Uh, but the music is awesome, because it's that Enrico Von, whatever the fuck. Dude. I mean, you can even tell that, like... It's loveless. It What's is her a nuts? straight cash in. Um, What's her nuts? Uh, fucking uh, Londa Blair. Yeah, Linda Blair is like just she is unenthused about the role in Exorcist Two. But three has dude Jason I... Robards. Who? Or not Jason Robards? Um, Patton. Uh, yeah, Patton. Um, more importantly, mother, fuck. It's um. Uh, hold up! I'll get there. I'll get there. I'll get there. Brad Dorif. Thank you. And then it even brings in uh, fucking Father Dominique, whatever the shit from the first one. Uh, 
So this is a direct sequel to the original Exorcist. And uh, so completely ignoring the second one. Yeah, just like us. <laughs> oh, they made a second one? I don't give a fuck if Mufasa was in it. That movie was a dumpster fire. I apologize. I said Jason Robards. I meant George C. Scott. Now tell me like George C. Scott and I'll believe you. That's hard to do, dude. That guy. George C. Scott. And I just you can't even do it. Like it's, I don't even call it overacting. He just, he delivers like the changeling. Dude. Ooh, Holy fucking shit. That movie's like, what, 82, I think. 80 way off topic. <laughs> That's one of the best scary movie, haunted movies. It's so good. The fucking Warriors. Waynes brothers, who are notorious for like goofy, dumb little hood movies and shit. Actually, those those guys know. Well, I mean, back when there was a Wayne's brother. Basically, during Scary Movie Two, it's 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 the Changeling and House and Haunted Hill that they're pretty much ripping off the entire time. I want to say the Haunting in there a little bit, yeah. and then Bull Shannon's in the wheelchair races. And <laughs> but yeah, so I apologize, George C. Scott. This guy's fantastic. He's in Patton. He's got the best ass voice. He's in a ton of shit. He was in like the original TV movie of Scrooge. Uh, he he's just awesome. He, he's in a lot of fun stuff. So. Big fan. So anyway, Arrow's oh, doing yeah, like a Blu-ray yeah, version yeah, of this. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> We're getting sidetracked here. Stay on target. Stay on target. I can't shake him. Uh, your obligatory Star Wars reference and Spaceballs reference. So there's two versions, the theatrical and the director's cut. Because the director's cut, the studio jumped in like, oh, well, you're giving me a fucking episode of, or you're giving me, the Exorcist, and there's no exorcism. It's like, no, because that was the first movie. It's like, no, you're bringing us an actor exorcism. So they, like, write an exorcism like, scene into the right, original Right, and movie. it is so fucking forced in there. It's like a character you've never seen before. And then it just does not fit the dynamic. I'm not going to spoil the movie, but the... Uh, is it coming with any extra features outside of the Screen Factory stuff? Does, like, Screen Factory own specific special features, or... See, that's what fucks me up. I'm not sure how that works, because if I own the definitive copy, then these new cats on the scene are dropping this version, and, like, I don't care if it has fucking five seconds of a Brad Dorff farting in a pickle jar and doing a backflip, you know? I want that on my shit. It's like it's like how your Halloween 3 that came with the box set and my Halloween 3 that I bought individually, Had, my like, shit has more shit, than yours, yeah. which, I mean, it's kind of poppycock, but... I yeah, I think you got like an extra language. commentary or something. I would probably stick with the Scream Factory because here's the big deal. It's Scream Factory. It's Scream Factory. They love me. And it came with the definitive director's cut version, which was the big deal because this oh, movie yeah. was already creepy on its own. Hands down. Like one of the creepiest movies I've ever seen oh, before I, we even see the director's I was, cut. Without ruining anything, one of the most chair-jumping, shit-your-pants Make it turn whiter than my ass fucking scares of all time. It is very good. I highly recommend watching any version of it, even if you don't get to see the director's cut version. Exorcist 3 is sell it. Like, my, my the version I own, because I don't have the Scream Factory version, is just the regular uh, Warner Brothers DVD, like with the crappy cardboard is, paper one. It's it's Morgan Creek. Yeah. Morgan Creek. It's not it's not a great version like of the like box and presentation, but it's a good version of the movie. It's not the director's cut, but it's still fucking super creepy and scary. So, what movie would you personally like to see get the lavished uh, Blu-ray experience? Um, I can answer for you if you yeah, want. Yeah, you take yours while I think about mine. Motherfucking Project Metal Beast! You just love Kane Hodder's movie. in there, dude. It's like Captain America, but with werewolves and Jason X. See, you're just like, what, huh? Because you've never seen it. 
And bring me a remake, and then a prequel, and a sequel, and a whole franchise, and a TV series, and a lunchbox. I would pick Alone in the Dark. Yeah, what the fuck? I thought that was New Line... Oh, because it's all caught up in WB Jumbo. But Alone in the Dark would be good. Limbo. Moving on. Last bit of news here. Screen Rant released a list of the best horror movie sequels, apparently according to INDB. The Howling 2 better be on there, or I'm fucking throwing hands. So, Screen Rant... Just a movie website, and they compiled some data from IMDb about the best horror movie sequels, and they put it into a top ten list. So I'm going to read these off, and Nachos, I want to see if you agree with me on on any of these. So it's not just in order of just like best sequel; it it's it's one from each franchise that they chose. So number ten, Jason Final, X, Final Destination three, criminally underrated. The best part. Is if, if if you're lucky enough to find it, and it'll cost you all of $3 at your local pawn shop. It's a super cheap movie. If you find part three, they have this special feature uh, where you watch the movie, and it's almost like you flip a coin kind of thing, and it affects the outcome of the movie. A.K.A. what I mean is get a bunch of booze with your buddies, sit down, and have a good time. So you told me about this feature, so I actually had to check it out because I have a DVD copy, and it is on there. You have the blue one. Yeah, I thought it wasn't on there, but it is. It's just not, like, printed Oh, you know what? You probably have, like, the widescreen, and I have the full screen or whatever. So it's not, like, on the back, but it is part of the movie, so that was kind of cool. I would say Final Destination 5 because, spoiler alert, it's a prequel to the original. Yeah, if you didn't have time to check this movie out, you're fucking slacking. And I love 5 because they work super hard to not let you know that it's like a timed piece because obviously part 1 is like set in like the late 90s and part 5 which was filmed in the mid 2000s is yeah, somehow probably a about 5 years ago, right? And they make it a prequel to the original. I loved that and I loved as they're getting on the plane the guy has the vision. Of I'm the in the fucking, corner like, getting up. Yeah, like all those kids from the first one like dying on the plane. It was super cool. Uh, number nine, we have Unfriended, The Dark Web. I haven't seen that one yet. Uh, Did you see Unfriended? Yes. Uh, it sucked. Dude, fucking Man of Many Travels and I went to go see that shit in theaters. I wanted to punch him in the dick. I wanted to punch that movie in the dick. I wanted yeah, to punch the waitress at Denny's who didn't give me fucking marinara sauce with my cheese sticks in the dick. I did not have a good time. Apparently this one is much better. I've never seen the sequel. I've never seen Dark Web. I did see the first one, Unfriended, and I did not like it. It was fucking an hour and a half of staring at a computer screen. All I know is I didn't care about anybody that was in the movie. Apparently with this Dude, one... Dude, but when that guy stuck his hand in the blender, that was fucking awesome. That was fun. Oh, and the chick drank the bleach. That I didn't was say cool. anything. Everything was bad, but apparently this one, you care more about the characters. Number eight, Friday the 13th, part two. Uh, One of the most criminally underrated films in the series and it's almost never talked about unless it's by a bunch of horror movie fans because you yeah because they always want to go with like four or six because warren gillette was the only guy to play jason in that movie oh yeah let's talk about that you get a little minty a little (laughs) salty over there because steve dash holy shit right may he rest in peace uh when i was watching uh friday the 13th vengeance a fan-made film if you like friday the 13th and free movies on youtube check it out steve dash is the fucking sheriff in that and he's like his name is jason like and he's like i'm the only real fucking jason around these parts and like this dude's probably about 68 but he's buck is fucking ready to bust some jaws and i'm like yup yup number seven happy birthday to you so this is a sequel to the happy birthday the franchise like the happy death day yeah oh is that what it is yeah not not the happy birthday 
Happy Birthday to Polly. You, like movie that that came out in the 80s. It's the sequel to like the Happy Birthday Death Day thing. Ah, uh, the first one was fun. I get fucked I never up saw on like one. contemporary horror kind of thing. So it's Groundhog's Day, but with a body count, pretty much. I'll give it a shot. Uh, number six, The Exorcist Three. Da 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 da. I think I we said all we shit. need to say about that. Number five, Psycho Two. Dude, me and the old man, Captain Rob, he hit me to that, and we were watching it one day. He's like, "I could check this out." It's the part where they're doing the tea scene at the end, and fucking Norman whacks the bitch on the head with a shovel. He goes, "They didn't even cut away." It's a rubber shot. Who directed that? Was that that wasn't Meg Garris, was it? Uh, I'm not sure on that one. I do know that that's a solid flick. Like and also, ex- part three. Psycho One is a completely different movie from two, three, and four, especially two and three. Uh, the original Psycho, Anthony is fucking... Perkins, is straight up so much more scary in two and three than he ever is in the original. Not while well, the original oh, is a classic. Bite your fucking tongue, Hold homie. On. It is a classic, but think about two and three for a second. In one, he's very innocent up until the end when we find out that obviously he's crazy. But in two and three, we know he's crazy. Especially, like you said, when you're talking about the tea scene at the end of two, that's fucking nuts. And it's hard to watch because you know the whole time, like you're on the edge of your seat knowing the fucking shit's about to go down. Two, super fun. Number four, Halloween, 2018. I thought you were going to say Rob Zombies, and I'm like, get out of your own fucking house. Get out of the, the hell dungeon. So instead of Halloween 2, they are saying that Halloween 2018 is the better sequel. Yeah, but no, but yeah. See, I legit had this conversation earlier today. If you, five years ago, it's a little prospector, I don't know. Uh, if you were to tell me that Danny McBride and his buddy, that the motherfuckers that wrote Pineapple Express were going to do a Halloween movie, I would tell you to suck a short dick off a long pier or whatever. You know, I, I would fucking throw a bowling ball at your face and say, get the fuck out of here. But after movies like anything Rob Zombie did, Halloween Resurrection, which is miserable but still fun. Trick or treat, motherfucker. Um, uh, it's all right. That movie's fucking great. It uh, you did my only gripe with that movie for a movie that removes itself from the sequels and the franchise kind of thing. Uh, they sure do fucking reference them a lot. I think the only thing that could have made that movie better. Is Jamie Lee Curtis's old boobs. They don't explain how that bus crashes in the 2018. Yeah, Zartan did it. And I think that Sheriff Lee Brackett, the actor, he's coming back. Is still alive. He's in the new one. He should have been the guy who wrecked the bus by running into it because he's still upset that Michael's being transferred to a minimum security prison. I thought one of them was Annie. Right? Like that. It just. I owe you five bucks for that. By I the thought way. it should be good. So I. That's my only gripe. That movie's fucking. Can great. we talk about? Uh, Dude, so, no, because we'll lose ourselves for like forty-five minutes in it. I swear to fuck, I'll keep it brief. Um, the little black kid, that kid was they like they let him ad lib like the majority of his lines. He's the best. He's coming back in the sequel, and the fucking chick, the babysitter, ten out of ten, smoking hot. Do you know who her boyfriend was? I don't care. Uh, Tim Robbins' fucking son. That's like Susan Sarandon and Tim Robbins' kid. I say that now. He was the stoner dipshit blowing up the pumpkins. Oh, really? I actually do care about that then. Yeah, no, I mean, it's F-U-N. You got me. Number three, 28 weeks later. Yeah. Why don't we have a third one? Uh, it, it ended. Yeah, but does any franchise ever truly end? That one definitely did. Except the... 
you know, like the Friday the 13th. Right? And they had like a finale for it. I, I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. I thought 28 Days Later was really good. I thought 20 Weeks Later was if even If they did better. a prequel 28 minutes And it was even later. more intense than the first one, which I thought was going to be impossible. Dude, that intro where, where the dude from the full Monty is like, fuck my family. Ha ha ha, buddy. Yeah. I mean. And you're supposed to feel for this guy the rest of the movie? Yeah, go fuck off. Number two, The Conjuring 2. I saw the first one. I jumped out. Like, the Conjuring 2, I didn't think it was that great. The Conjuring 1 was good. It was a good spooky movie. I thought movie. it was going to be stupid because I am just sick and tired of fucking ghost movies. If you're not... Right, like, I've seen Amityville enough. Like, I don't need yeah. any more yo, yo, do, do I but need to watch another one? they did a good job. But, I mean, that movie, I felt was like, came up with, like... surprisingly good. I, you know, We Are Still Here oh, and House beauty, of the Devil. Beauty. was, like, all the same time. Fuck the innkeepers. But I thought the original... Yeah, the innkeepers. Or fuck, comma, the innkeepers. I thought that the, con- the original Conjuring was very good after I'd seen it. I wasn't on board till I saw it. But The Conjuring 2, when I watched it, it wasn't that great. They Lady very much set Black. it up for The Nun... Yeah, dude, I feel like they're shoehorning that shit. Yeah, and way the nun really sucked. Plus, they also were like again setting up Annabelle, which Ooh. wasn't fantastic. All right, well, there's so like our, seven of them. Our number one on the list, number one horror movie sequel, Evil Dead Part Two. Now, is it a sequel? I always, I need to dramatically. Burp. And this is why I wanted to talk to you about this because I agree with you. Well, we'll, we'll see. I don't feel that this is a sequel. This is clearly a remake of the original because the first 35 minutes now, Raimi, are an entire remake of the says, whole movie. There's a jump off point. Like, you can watch blank to blank. And, I mean, I get it. It's because somehow, even though he made that movie, he doesn't have the own his own right. It's, it's very confusing. So, basically, what you get is Evil Dead, which has several friends visiting the cabin. And they all die. I'll give you a dollar if you can name all of them right now. I'm not even going to do it because I can't. And then we get a sequel, Evil Dead 2, which starts out as basically a rehash of the original, but we cut out all the friends. It's just Ash and his girlfriend. What's her name? Linda. And they make it to the cabin, and we get introduced to a bunch of new characters. Now, at this point... Is one of them named... Bobby Jack! We could do like the first 30 minutes, which is pretty much a rehash for the original movie, but sans just the two of them, and then a ton of new characters. It's a totally different feel for the movie. The first one was very straight horror, very dark, very gothic, very bloody. The second one... Kind of a snooze fest, I'm not going to lie. Has all the same, like... I'm not shit on lines, but even better special effects. Oh, they and crank it up to 11, homie. It's really funny. There's a lot of dark humor in it. But I will say, honestly, between the two... I prefer the original Evil Dead all day long. But here's the problem is that Evil Dead 2 leads into Army of Darkness, which then leads into the Ash vs. the Evil Dead series, which is on Stars. Oh, my God. But we I got like, fucked so bad on I that I think show. the first Evil Dead was scarier. I really do. I think just for atmosphere purposes, it was the scarier of the two. But that's just me. How do you feel, Nachos? Um, well, as a child... Okay. Not as a child, but... um. I don't know. I get dropped into these sequels. So, like, uh, I cut my teeth, and I'll say this every time. The first official, like, horror movie I sat down, watched, um, and comprehended was Halloween 2. I think it was probably all of eight years old. Um, And that movie was, a lot of people disagree with me. Everything the original Halloween wasn't, you know, up a couple notches. 
And um, for the longest time, I had this hate on for Halloween, like the first movie. I'm like, why does everybody think it's good? Because then I finally realized, uh, you know, a few years back, John Carpenter did not intend for that movie to be a franchise. To have any sequels. So that's the movie. And it is good. Loomis, I shot him. I shot him six times. And then he fucking... It's still creepy, even without the gore and stuff that most modern, even 80s horror movies have. I mean, it was 1978, but that is a really scary movie for not having it. Right. It's because the ghost or shape... The shape. Makes it so intense. You know what's awesome? Michael Myers isn't even a really big dude. He's like all a 5'9", 5'10", the first couple ones anyway. Anyway. Go on. Evil Dead 2. Oh, Evil Dead 2. So it just takes everything the first movie had, ups the ante, ups the gore. Uh, It's ridiculous. And uh, the first one, it just, I don't know, plays a little safe. You can, I mean, like, I respect the first movie. D bow bow Honestly, uh, I, I, I think, think what, the remake is criminally underrated. The thing about the sequel is that it introduces a ton of storyline that continues on with the lore for Army of Darkness and Ash vs. Evil Dead that the first one does not have. Even characters that even show up later, both in Army of Darkness and Ash vs. Evil Dead, like Henrietta and things like that, which oh, is really cool. Oh, dude. But I, mean, I still got to give it to the first one. I just thought it was... Really creepy. I love that they were just alone by themselves with their group of friends instead of introducing these random characters that are just going to eventually get killed off. Uh, a thing that always gets me in horror movies is like when they just walk. Like, oh, this Plus, is, we're building suspense. It's like, no, nah, The first dude, one has the vine rape scene. Yeah. And like Sam Raimi's like, I really regret shooting that. I'm like, Yeah, dude, but we're still talking about it new- yeah, now, dog. Like, I don't see a lot of trees outside of fucking Japan animation like just fucking raping chicks so that was pretty cool for the 80s maybe a little bit out of you know place, what they, they kind of liked it tackle it in the remake it's not a full-on like they do it's just a uh because he knows what fans want <laughs> bring me that tree right fuck the plot fuck the necronomicon so nacho's uh final synopsis how did you feel with the list anything uh there that was too out of the too off the charts or just you're yeah, like, yeah yeah or you no? know what uh fuck this list it's stupid i hate everything about it I said the same thing when I read it. I'm like, yeah, I don't think people really understand horror when they pick this. Or maybe the people that picked it didn't understand horror. Oh, yeah. I also like, uh, that's like liking all the Super Bowl winners and, you know, like liking other popular things. Like, where's my Howling 2, Your Sister's a Werewolf? Where's my Fright Night 2? Where's my Jason Goes to Hell? Where's my fucking Freddy's Dead? Where's my Halloween 3? Where's my... You're saying a lot of bad sequels. Not all, but a lot. Oh, yeah. Where's my Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skulls? Where's my Batman All right, and I just got to cut him off. He's just going to keep doing it. Before we get into the movie, though, and before we start talking about where we've seen it first. Where's my Pumpkinhead 3? Want to give a big shout out to the guys at Horrible Horror. Oh, my God. Definitely check out their most recent episode. Uh, they you know us... what? Go back. Check them all fucking Yeah, out. actually, yeah, listen. Especially check out this one called Miner's Massacre. Miner's Massacre? There's two assholes on there that ruined the entire episode. No, sir. You're, you're BSing me. Who was in that? Uh, it's uh, some shit bungus named Salsa Von Mummy. Yep. And, and Mick uh, Werewolf Von Nachos? Um, I think it's uh, Swamp Thing. Von Stupid. Yeah. 
So check out Horrible Horror. Definitely check out episode 100. They have a two-parter. It's fantastic. They uh, talk, uh, they do uh, The Dream Child. Yes. Oh, man. They got the whole fucking cast there. Uh, episode 169 features Nacho's McWerewolf. Don't listen to that episode. It's terrible. Episode 176, Nacho's McWerewolf and myself, Salsa Von Mummy. That's better. And uh, their newest episode, episode 178, for the Zombie Holocaust, a.k.a. Dr. Butcher. In their stable, maybe we call you Salsa Von Mummy. They, uh, they, they give us a shout-out in the most recent episode. And I gotta say, hey, Marshall, if you're listening, I am on board for our West Side Story Rumble. Let me know. Did we just sync up? So, Nachos, where did you first see this movie? You, you piece of shit. You never saw it before I recommended it to no, you? No, man. Okay. I swear to fuck I'll So, keep this him. year? Last year? What was it? Um, Like, this year, a couple months ago. So, like, do you remember back when you had that apartment? Yeah. Okay, so, do you remember that notebook I would carry around, and I had, like, a fucking 400-plus list of horror movies? Yeah, you had, like, Proof of the Gods and stuff yes. on there. Yes, it was in the tricell bag that some shit cunt fucking stole, and didn't even have the guy. Like, if you wanted the bag, that's fine. Just take the notebook out. Anyway, so I lost, like... Honestly, I would probably be, like, level 10 by now, but... Uh... I know. I So, we talked about it in the last episode for uh, Slaughter High, where I had a similar list that I was compiling i had seen this movie before that but i i did i carried the list that so nachos and i like like bounce a lot of stuff off each other where we assume we've seen a lot of the main we know we've seen a lot of mainstream horror stuff we even talk about all the time but we come to stuff like this where maybe we hadn't seen it out there to find the nitty-gritty the little diamonds and the rough kind of shit maybe nachos has seen it and i haven't or vice versa so or he's heard of it and blah 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 this one i had seen years ago in 1999 my freshman year of high school I rented it on VHS from CNN Video, oh. which was like down the road from my parents' house in Collinsville, Illinois, right by the ketchup bottle. So Collinsville, Illinois That's has the, the first place I rented Halloween Four from. Is the world's largest ketchup bottle. Represent and right down the road. There was this crappy video store that eventually closed oh, down. Oh, crappy! Well, crappy because it didn't last long. But I loved it. Plus, they let me rent R-rated movies even though I was like fourteen and younger. But. Uh, they would let me get whatever I wanted. My mom just didn't care. She basically like signed a piece of paper, like it was the seventies. It was like, you can it's okay to sell my kid cigarettes. It was like, you're it's okay to give my kid horror movies. <laughs> they had no qualms about it. So this was one that I rented from them and, and watched it on VHS. And no, I maybe for you, there's some nostalgia factor rocking because uh, over here at Camp Blood, I think you're a little bit jaded. But I'm, we'll get I, into I'm it. I'm not taking a bullet for this fucking movie. Don't give it away too much. So this is a this is a video nasty. This is on our Hello Nasty list. Hello Nasty. So this is Hello Nasty number three. Holy shit, we're there. So directed by Stephen Carpenter. I said it was his fucking nephew. It ain't related to John Carpenter. Pilgrim. And Jeffrey Obrow. Ready to meet our casualties? Let's do it. All right. So we've got Lori Lipinski who plays. Joanne Murray. No, she's actually Joanne and not Joni. Right. Like in Don't Go in the Lids of Wound. This is her only acting credit. We've got Steven Sachs, who plays Craig. Mm-hmm. Fucking Craig. We hate Craig's by Shut the way. Shut up, Craig. So, Craig, if you're listening. Shut up. He. But we love you. Only did this movie in a bunch of TV shows. Again, this is a common thing here where there's not a lot of stuff, but we do have one big star. Who did a big star? Oh, we're getting there. David Snow. Plays Brian. He's 
had a bunch of other small roles and he was in devil's harvest which is like 2009 i think horror movie uh, that's called scratching for a paycheck right uh pamela holland plays patty this is her only acting credit dennis eli played bobby lee tremble he was in blt Dead- right he was in his deadly sunday which is his only other movie woody rollis he plays- wasn't in the follow-up banana splits of doom <laughs> Plays John Hermit. He was in a bunch of TV shows, and that's it. Daphne Zuninga. Yeah, good luck with that one. Zun- Zuninga? I'm sorry, who? Zuninga? I'm sorry, who? She plays Debbie. This was her first ever role in anything. She was later on in the you initiation. You refer to me as your highness. She was later on in the initiation. Yes, she was. Holy shit. She was in The Fly 2. Fuck, no way, dude! Did you do your homework, or did I? No, you did my homework. You changed. She was in a bunch of TV shows. She was in Melrose Place. She was in One Tree Hill. And she also played Princess Vespa in the Spaceballs movie. And she voiced her in the animated TV show. Did you ever see that? Yeah. It's fucking tragic. Well, I mean, compared to the movie, what the fuck? I mean, it's better than Droids, the Star Wars cartoon. We also get Jake Jones, who plays Bill Edgar. He was in The Power. Robert Fredrickson, he plays Tim. He actually was Ethan in Pumpkinhead. Whoa. Yep. Wow. Okay. So the movie itself was released in 1983, um, which wasn't a real fantastic year for horror movies. Actually, it was pretty mundane for the most part. We had some kind of crazy ones. Uh, Video Drone. Yes, Psycho Cronenberg. Uh, God, is that Mick Garris? I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat myself up about this. Sleepaway Camp, the original one. Hey, Angela, why are you so fucked up? Because I got a dick. Nightmares, uh, which was an anthology movie that had uh, Emilio Estevez in it. Curtains. Ugh. Oh, Dean Werner from Animal House screaming at the chick's tit. Microwave Massacre. Probably one of the best intros to a movie in general. Which you recommended to Horrible Horror, and they did a good episode on. I did? Yeah. No shit. Mountaintop Motel Massacre. Fuck that movie. I like that movie. It's a pretty full one. That actually never got a release here. That is solely like a UK-Canada version. Like Dude, I can... think it was on Shudder. It is. You can get it on a stream, but you can't get like a physical copy. Oh, I gotcha. Uh, also, Cujo and Christine. Uh, I wanted to just say one thing about Cujo real quick. You ever seen the fucking like promotion or behind the scenes picture? It's uh D Wallace and then it's like the kid and then it's the guy in the fucking Cujo suit and they're all like doing the rocket leg out kind of thing. What do you mean suit? That's a giant dog. Yeah, yeah, in some scenes and then sometimes uh, it's a dude in a St. Bernard suit. Well, good special effects cuz I never spotted it. Right? Uh, it it is fucking ridiculous. Moving on. <laughs> So, how to watch this movie. Uh, you can get it on VHS. There's a 2003 DVD under the title Pranks. And this is a common thing with this movie where there's like several titles this movie is released under. But 20, 2003 DVD titled Pranks. Then Synapse Films released it on a Blu-ray DVD combo with a ton of special features. They're kind of like the Scream Factory of horror of, movies. Of New York. But they... Here's the crazy thing about Synapse. They do they have some very interesting 
horror movies. And they actually have some good ones. They've got they like got the, the whole uh Frank Hinnenlotter catalog. The Basket Case yep. trilogy, uh Intruder, uh Street Trash. I fucking love Street Stuff Trash. Like that. What are we gonna do that? And they do like a ton of special features. But like when you buy the movies, they also have like a catalog inside that has their horror movies, and then that's maybe like two pages, and then the other six pages out of the eight page hardcore porn. It's just ton of fucking porn, and it's like completely advertised. It's full of fucking porn, nothing but fucking porn. It's like guys, I I, I didn't. This isn't a porn DVD. I bought Dorm the Drip Blood. Like I'm not, I'm not looking at the forty. Not the DVD case that drip come. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm looking guys. at the Forty Second Street Horrors Volume Seven. Like I just wanna. Watch the horror movie and move on. Like, I don't need this. It's like George Costanza came and just throwing smut rags around like they're fucking Frisbees. And it is in every release that they have. I have Intruder on Blu-ray from them. Then they have Anal Intruder. Same shit. <laughs> I've got Basket Case on DVD, and it has, a, like, a booklet about they have horror. Bask Her like, Case. Porn, it's just, it's, it's, I love their movies. Like, I love their horror movies, and they put a ton of effort into them. We've met them at, at horror cons and stuff like that. I don't know if it's like the actual cats run in it, but it's their underlings or whatever, and they're they're fucking real nice dudes. They are very nice, but except for they charge, and they're not peddling porn there; they're just peddling horror movies. Yeah, I'm sure if you if you ask them, they kick a cardboard box off from under the skirt of the table, a sticky one. You'd be fucking elbows deep in a. Oh, not Amelia. What the fuck is it? A blank goes to. All right, Nachos, you ready to horse around with maniacs? Let's horse around with these fucking maniacs. So our film opens up in a field of all places with someone like off in the distance, casually strolling towards the road. As we get a shot of a bunch of kids drinking in the back of a truck as they pass by a sign for Dayton Hall, which is labeled as a condemned building. Are they chanting toga? Toga, toga. Because I'm pretty sure that's what I heard. Yeah, it's Rejects Manimal House. Yes. Later, we cut deep into the night. As some dude, and we never get his name. Just fucking terrorist. He is fucking running around the halls inside what we assume is Dayton Hall, clearly fearing for his fucking life as he hides from somebody. And this is a weird scene because he's like inside. He moves maybe 30 feet, then he's somehow outside. I don't know. Yeah, they were going to condemn the building. He is hiding in these bushes. He's then grabbed from behind, strangled, and then the killer puts his foot on his hand and splits it with a machete cuts in between his uh ring finger and his middle finger uh death number one um really despite the fact this guy gets choked and his hand cut somehow this equals the death like not even an off-screen death and you have to presume that he's dead lame we are then hit with the title card and depending on which version of the movie you're watching the, the, uh, what, what did you get? Did you you get you let me borrow your fucking DVD. So, I got Death Dorm. So that's what I got. So on the Synapse version of the movie, you get the 88-minute uncut version of the movie that's titled Death Dorm. But the movie was also called Pranks. How the fuck is this movie called Pranks? What pranks are in this movie? And it's also called The Dorm That Your Blood. I think The Dorm That Your Blood is the better that's appropriate. of the titles, but we'll get into that later. Uh, so I, depending just... which version to watch the movie, you get a different title card. Thematically, that fits with our last film, because there's motherfucking pranks. Well, in that movie, this movie should be called Pranks. Ha ha, we made you waste an hour and a half of your life. Ha ha, I got that you. ain't true. This is actually pretty good, but we'll get into it. Mm-hmm. After the opening credits, several kids are at a Christmas party where Tim and Joanne are uh, having yes. a conversation Two about their... 40-something-year-olds. Oh, no, they are clearly in college. What, As they are having a college because they made bad choices. Conversation about their relationship and the future of that. 
Tim's getting ready to go out of town on a ski trip over the Christmas break holiday. And Joanne is managing a group of students who are staying behind to prepare the Morgan Meadows Hall for renovation and next door the Dayton Hall for demolition for some new apartments on campus. Do you know why she stuck around to renovate the dorms? Why? Because they were dripping with blood. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> the... You and your badge. <laughs> Must be the beer. The next morning, Joanne is working in the office when we meet Brian, who is this big-ass, lanky, fuck, fucking tall guy, long hair. He looks like Chris Novacelic from Nirvana, the bass player from Nirvana. Like, he literally looks like that. Every time I see him, I'm like, motherfucking bass player in Nirvana. Like, you're ripping off his look. Skipped he... a part. I have it right here. Uh, With Jack? Yeah. A.K.A. Jim Belushi. Oh, I mean, that doesn't really... Because motherfucker looks like Jim Belushi. Anyway, whatever. He comes in later. I missed the part where Tim and, and Joanne are talking to Jack, who has They're at this the part, movie. and then run into two, two, two other non-important characters. Moving on. Thank you. That's why I didn't bring him up, because they're This is the drunk episode, if you guys couldn't figure it out. Yeah. Cut me off again. I'll cut your dick. What, am I a bartender? So, again, Joanne is working in the office. Brian walks in. Big, tall motherfucker. His hands are covered in what looks like blood. Yeah. Right? And then he's like, oh, it's just red ink from the mimograph machine that he was working on. So the mimograph is a very old copy machine. Basically what it does is it takes oh, like a, a physical copy of an original piece of paper and you press it down hard and it grabs the um, like the um, indentations? indentations from the from the typed paper and presses it onto several pieces of paper consistently like you have to physically do each one uh kind of like how a record is pressed you can only do it so many times before the the print runs out like you have making to, like, a copy of a copy of a yeah copy. you got like before you got to switch it out again so it's an interesting thing it, it, it you know it's in the early 80s it's 1983 so tim stops and he or sorry brian stops and he's like look man we got to get rid of this thing it's no good it, it looks like i'm covered in blood and as he's talking to joanne tim walks by to say goodbye as he's going off on a ski trip but he leaves uncomfortably as he sees Joanne and Brian like talking a little too close. Mm-hmm. In walks Debbie. She comes in to let Joanne know that she is leaving earlier than expected, but can still help out till her parents arrive. And Joanne hands out the assignments to everyone. This is also where you meet Patty and Craig, who are also part of the group. Now, Debbie is Princess Vespa. From Spaceballs. Trust me, a lot of my jokes are based off that. And we will reference her as such for the rest of the review. Oh, for real. Joanne then meets Tim outside. Which one's Tim? That was Her it. boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. And says goodbye to him and Jack as they're going on their ski trip. You're right. And he makes jokes about Jack and like how he's, you know, hey, while you're gone, I'm just going to keep kissing Jack because I'm, you know, going to miss somebody. Right. Oh. Meanwhile, Craig and Brian are working to refinish these cafeteria tables so that the school can resell All them. Seventy-five of them. Yeah, it's like to make a little bit extra money. And Debbie is down in the basement, and we get a small jump scare from her as like a barrel lid like falls over near. Her I guess I missed out. all of this. Next, we see Joanne and Brian at night getting close in the break room, talking about how they used to date, and that Brian stayed behind for this project in hopes that. Maybe they could rekindle their relationship before they get a little too close and they share a kiss together. 
Now behind them, uh, this is all this is going on. Like they're being stalked by an unknown person. Oh, that killer POV. So like, Joanne is like saying goodbye to her boyfriend Tim, who she later states that she's been dating for two years, but also somehow dated Brian for a while, and it's getting close, and they start making out. Like it's no big deal. Labels disable. I mean, I gotta say, maybe show a little bit of faith to my man Tim here. That's kind of loyalty. So later that night, Debbie. Stops by Joanne's room and lets her know that she's heading downstairs to wait for her parents as they have are going to arrive even earlier than expected. And before she leaves, Joanne tells Debbie that she needs the inventory list that she was fucking working on from the storage room. And Debbie's like, oh, I'll go downstairs and grab it before I leave. It's no big deal. So Debbie heads down and is searching for the list as the stalker is kind of making his way or her way back to Debbie. And here's the fucking crazy thing about Debbie being in this room. She just keeps picking up all these pieces of paper that she... She said she knew exactly where it right, fucking yeah. was. She's just like, oh, is this it? Picks a piece of paper, sets it back down. Here's another piece of pa- uh, pile of paper, sets it back down. She just goes fucking nuts. All right, I gotta jump in real quick. Debbie says to Joanne... Or says goodbye to Joanne, and Joanne tells Debbie to have a Merry Christmas. That's funny. I thought she was Druish. Funny. She doesn't look Druish. No, but for real, she's fumble fucking around in this. I know exactly where it is. In this fucking. Oh, that was a crack of satisfaction right there, homie. And she's just digging through this paperwork and just. It's not even paperwork. It's like stacks of papers, like precariously, like stacked around this like crazy room it's like here's someone an old freezer here's someone a bag of razors like it's just all over this fucking room you know for no what? reason it, it it's insane and asinine that this isn't any sort of like organization at all debbie is looking around for the blueprints of Spaceball one and prince roll or uh king roland rolls up and honks the fucking horn <laughs> so that's where we get the stalker who is coming up slowly into the room where Debbie is, and she can't find this fucking piece of paper that she, she just fucking put there. She claims to know, and when you see the scene, you're like, I don't get why she's fucking like, one, why she can't find it, two, why there's so many stacks of paper, but whatever. Yeah, filing cabinets, fuck off. As the killers of the stalkers making its way to Debbie, we get him. He's like, they're scared off because Debbie's parents arrive on the scene and they start honking the horn. It's like to signal Debbie that that she's there. All right, so like, her and uh, her dad and you know they have an exchange and uh. Oh no, no I, I'm not there yet. Oh, we're not. As Debbie's parents park the car. Yes. Debbie's mom starts to get real impatient. Yancy. Like she's acting like she's waited for an hour and a half when it's been literally. She 10 looks seconds. a little like drugged up. So Debbie's dad says she's gonna go. He's gonna go look for her. And he's walking up a flight of stairs, and he meets somebody with a spiked baseball bat. I was going to say, that dad is walking up the steps. Did you get the vibe like, dad has hit mom at the dinner table a couple times before kind of vibe? No, it's definitely mom hit dad. For reals? All right, and I am getting... Well, who left the car? Out. Oof, oof, oof. Okay, I am getting winded watching this man walk upstairs. Death number two. Better up! The killer... So the killer attacks Debbie's dad, beats him in the head with a spiked baseball bat until he is dead. And you get several there cracks There were spikes the in there? Oh, it's like a prison bat. 
It's got nails like beat into it. It's a spiked baseball bat. Well, I was shit. All right. Well. So the killer then sneaks down the stairs and casually unlocks. Casually, nothing. This bitch is doped out or something. That's what I'm saying. It's casual because he like unlocks the back door of the car. Like she's looped out on. That Debbie's or mom something. is in. And she's still waiting in there, and she's, like, looking out the passenger window, like, listening to the radio. And he, like, unlocks the backseat door and, like, crawls in. And all the while, Debbie's mom's just, that like, That car must have amazing shocks or something. Cause... And she's just fucking staring blankly out the window, completely unaware. Debbie then makes her way down the stairs. Whoa, hold up. And finds her dad dead. Yes. And she fucking begins to scream and fucking run for the car. And we cut to the killer in the backseat of the car, start to strangle Debbie's mom with this fucking, like, garrot wire. Like, just fucking, like, hardcore. And, like, we get, like, blood coming down out of her turtleneck and shit yeah, like that. Yeah, it don't add up. It don't make sense. Death number three, you best protect that neck. So Debbie then finally makes her way to the car. She finds her mother dead in the car. And she passes out. Like, she opens the door to the passenger seat. Her mom's dead body flops out, and she just passes out from fucking shock. The killer then pulls Debbie's body underneath the car. That's dastardly. Places her head right behind one of the tires before getting in the front seat, starting the car, and then just backing over Debbie's fucking face. Death number four. Keep rolling, 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 rolling. Cause you loving this shit right that here. That was really cool. I mean, so obviously, like the spike back and then like the rot wire, the like like the fucking ch- strangle scene. There was nothing great about that. It was okay, but that scene, like you don't normally get that in a horror movie where some like the killer works hard to place the body into a death scenario. He's either already done the death or he's already laid the the trap that causes the death. But in this case. He just finds himself in the rare opportunity where she passes out, so he just takes advantage of that. One outside bird. And I gotta be honest, like, think about all the scenes you've ever seen in a horror movie where, like, somebody gets stabbed or shocked or shot. How often do you see somebody get just backed over a car casually? You see them get run over Jason with aggression. Goes with aggression. Oh, yeah, just a casual, like, just rolling. Just, like, rolling, setting it rolling, up rolling, rolling, rolling. and, like, backing over that fucking person. That is fucking gnarly. So you know what that killer did right there? Just wiped out a Christmas card you were going to get. <laughs> he loads up everybody in the fucking... I hope Debbie didn't have any brothers, because he's paying a lot of postage to get this card out. <laughs> and then the killer just, like, tucks everybody in the fucking car and rolls out, taking a family vacation. Yeah, he does. He fucking... He throws... He picks up the dad from the stairs, throws him in the trunk, puts the mom in the trunk, throws Debbie in the back seat, and he fucking rolls out with the car, and that's all you see of them ever again. There goes the Vespas. Hope you had a good time. Bye. That's the last we see of them. So now it's the next day. Joanne, Patty, Brian, and Craig are making breakfast. Patty goes to get more napkins. By the dumpster? Yeah. What the fuck is that? Some sort of supply room that's like outside of the kitchen and then back into, I don't even know. It's quite peculiar. And she's frightened when she sees somebody rummaging through the fucking dumpsters. And this guy... Well, Cincinnati, that's John Hammett. Say it real facts. It sounds like John Hermit. Who's looks, he look? Who's he look like? Looks like Art Garfunkel. Fucking A it does. Or as I like to call him, 
barf fart gunkle. <laughs> oh, don't Parsley worry, kids. If you laugh at that, we got rosemary and thyme. So fucking Patty runs back into the cafeteria to tell Joanne that she saw Freaking some fucking fuck creepy dude out right outside. And as Joanne tells him that, hey, they're fucking the only kids that are supposed to be on the fucking block right now. They're the only ones that are fucking supposed to be there. No questions asked. Brian tells him that, based on the description, they think it's John Hermit. And this fucking guy's a real freak. Like, John Hermit. So is he a student there or a local? He is like a student there. We don't get like a ton of backstory well, on him. Well, then what the fuck's the problem? He pays tuition. Because they apparently are, I guess, supposed to send anybody away from this specific building. It's not that the campus... What if he ain't got no family? Well, that's his fault. They're renovating and then demolishing. Get your ass out. Read your letters. Get your mail. Shine bots. But according to Brian, it's John Hemmett, and he's a real freak. Joanne goes and gets a phone call. I don't know, call. man. I've seen the Bernie. Did you meet Alfred? That dude's a real fucking piece of shit. Joanne goes, and she gets a phone call in her office. And we're introduced to a man named Bill now. Bill comes up. Bill what? I didn't get his last name. Oh, I gotcha. Uh, oh, you know what? I'll save for the next thing. Keep going. Edgar. Oh, well, I'm not even close. So Bill wants to know who's working in the Dayton Hall building because he was there and his best drill went missing while he was in there. He didn't see who took it. Oh, the handyman. And I mean, the groundskeeper. Like, they, like, he's pretty sure they're still using it in Dayton Hall because you can, like, hear it. Joanne thinks that maybe it's John, who obviously is creeping around, and he, she goes by his room to check on him, but he's not there, so she leaves a note for him, which is just weird, right? Because it's I'm like, you got this guy, like, fucking creeping around the, the campus, that no, like, the part of campus nobody's supposed to be around. You get this Art Fark, Art Garfunkel, Art Farfunkel, piece of shit, and she's like, I'm just going to casually leave a note for you. Call me when you get in. Blah, blah, I mean, blah, technically, way, that dude didn't do there. anything wrong. You were just fucking around out by the dumpster. Well, they're, I mean, they're not supposed to be there. I, I don't know. It's the rules, I guess. But anyway, Bill's freaking about this drill. And That's my fucking favorite drill. Joanne thinks that, obviously, she knows who took it. Shark so Garf Bunkle. Joanne heads off campus now to meet somebody named Bobby Lee, who is buying... Bobby Lee Trimble, a.k.a. BL motherfucking T. BLT. He is buying a bunch of old desks off Joanne because she's trying to help raise money for the student body. And Bobby's a creepy dude, by the way. Like, personal space, you don't get it. You're in the Bobby zone. She's, like, filling out some paperwork, and he's writing her check. He's just, like, smelling her hair. Right, like, just fucking up on her. Like, if she backs up, like, a centimeter, she's going to feel his dick through those whitey tighties. Right, that's going to be some lumber pressing against your leg. Yeah, it is uncomfortable. Bobby's a creep. Cut to the rooftops of the campus, and we get a nice POV shot of somebody stalking around. We see an old mattress up there. Like, that's the fucking mattress. Yeah, it's like some sort of fucking college fuck pad. It's real weird. It's like a, it's it's a gravel rooftop on on, on clearly a college campus building, and there's an odd like footpath that leads itself to this big massive, like. It's a walkway. Shape to deck walkway thing. And there's this like old ripped up stained mattress. And then they move away from this like fuck pad down a flight of stairs that has been put there purposely onto like a further deck. And like, again, this isn't like a hangout pad. I don't know if this is like some sort of maintenance 
path that they've made for him, but I don't Maybe get why Maybe it was like the was... dumpster's full, so let's just throw it on the roof. I just or... don't get why there's like this fucking mattress up there. It's real fucking weird, super fucking odd to me. But, hey, what the hell do I know? I didn't go to college more than a day. So now it's night, and Bill is working alone in the Dayton Hall while he's being stalked by the killer right behind him. So then we cut to the four kids, and they're having dinner, and they're hanging out together. Bobby and Joanne start to talk about their relationships again as we see somebody creeping out outside the building while the four of them continue to hang out and play pool. Patty goes to grab some beer, and she's scared by John fucking Art Garfunkel. through the window. Right? Just looking at her. He's fucking watching him outside the window. Bart Garfield. <laughs> Just freaking out. And Brian's like... Just like Cropsy. Brian's like, hey, I'm going to go look for fucking John, Craig, you and the girls stay inside. Brian goes out to look for him. Can't find him. He happens to run into Craig. But they cannot find John anywhere, so they all decide to go looking for John together with the girls. Brian and Joanne go into one building, while Craig and Patty go into another, and eventually everybody splits up on their own during the search. Hey, Scooby-Doo. What's up? We good? So then Joanne runs into Bill, who rescues her from a stuck elevator... And then she meets up with Brian, Patty, and Craig. So when they've all split up, Joanne, like, gets in this elevator. It She tries to use it. It's, like, in the, one of the older buildings that they're going to renovate and tear down. And she gets stuck. So by the time she makes it down, she runs into all her friends. We cut to Bobby Lee at his house, who's lying in bed in his tidy whities smoking a cigarette, next to some lady who we later learn is named Alice. And he, like, gets up. And he makes a phone call to Joanne about meeting up for some drinks tonight, which we kind of feel like is pretty late in the night. And he even references, like, I know it's pretty late, but hey, maybe we should meet up. And it's like, dude, like, you're clearly in your 40s and we're clearly in our 20s. It seems really weird that you're into it. So Alice is not pleased that he's making this phone call so late and suspects that he's fucking like... Oh my god, dude. BLT, calm the fuck down with this shit. Like he's up to something as he claims he's just gonna take a drive. he just took this chick to fucking Plowtown and then he gets up automatically in the fucking middle of the night to... I gotta make a phone call. Is it a business call? No, you're gonna be fucking some other bitch. BLT's got stamina, homie. Dude, and here's the best part. She's like, why don't you stick around, homie? Whips the tit out. She has... Two-toned torpedo tits. 40 minutes, 7 seconds into the movie. Boobies. Hooray for boobies. Hold on, where the fuck is it? I, I lost my line. Here it is. So back at the school, Bill is now headed to wash up in like a bathroom. And he sets like a little pocket radio on top of like a little hand dryer and he turns on the news to listen to it while he's washing up. And while he's getting all cleaned up, we see the killer plug in the cord to the drill that Bill's been missing. I love how it does the like play by play, like the follow it all the way down. And the killer picks it up. He sneaks behind Bill chased drill. And the killer grabs Bill as he's fucking like washing his face and he holds him down from the back of his fucking neck and he just fucking slowly puts the drill 
into the back of Bill's head, turning it on, and he fucking kills him. And it is super fucking slow. It's real gruesome looking. I really like this kill. I thought it was pretty fucking fun. It, it, it goes on for a little bit. as he After he fucking finishes like plummeting through his fucking skull and like, tosses him to the side. Death 5. Drill Bill volume. Ew. <laughs> the killer jams the drill in the back of Bill's head violently. When the killer pulls out the drill, chunks of meat can be seen spinning on the drill bit. He even takes the drill and like smashes it into Bill's yeah, like little fuck radio. Your radio. Did you see like on the like the head of the drill bit? It's like you can still see like parts of the skull and hair like stuck it like stuck to the fucking drill bit as he's smashing it to pieces. Did you see on the background wall? There's a telephone number that reads Nancy, and this is a real number, and we're gonna call it right now. No, I mean <laughs> it says Marty Ransom fucks. So, cut to next day. Craig and Brian are dropping off trash at, like, a compost pile when they finally run into John Hemet at this point. A.K.A. Ark Uncle Drunkle. And they confront him. So, they, like, chase him down. Craig gets a little too tough with him. And he's, like, fucking, like, grabbing on his fucking shirt, telling him he's a fucking weirdo. And, like, they need to get the fuck out of there. Did you notice how fucking fast Craig talks? It's like the micro machine, man. Like, calm down, homie. He's getting real into this fucking scene. Like, he's really wanting to fucking let John know he's a piece of shit and he's going to fucking hurt him if he doesn't knock the shit off. Brian has to come between the two and tell him to kind of lay off. Yeah, like, dial it down, homie. Quirk's like, this guy has it coming. Brian's like, chill out. You scared him. They're, he's good. Knock it off. John gets the point. At the same time, Patty and Joanne are checking the mail. When Patty tells Joanne that she has a crush on Brian and they have like this whole preteen sex conversation, even though they're fucking She wants Brian to get up in that gut locker. Right? But also, don't tell Brian. During dinner now, it's fast forward to the night. Later that evening. Craig is setting the table and he notices, as he's going to get like new plates and napkins, that some food is now fucking missing from the table. That loaf of bread? He tells Joanne... About it, like, hey, fucking some shit's missing, and he runs off, because he's, like, fucking telling Joanne, like, it's fucking John, and I'm gonna fucking beat his ass and fucking tell him what's going on. That dude straight up has a bitch fit. Yeah, he's like, John's responsible, even though he doesn't see who fucking steals the food. It's just like Glazer with Alfred. He's fucking weird, man. He's just a weirdo. Joanne, on the other means, like, I'm gonna go get Brian and let him know what's going on. So while everyone's away, the killer then shows up, to the dinner table. With that spike bat all over right? again. That fucking prison bat with nails in it. And he just... It's such a weird scene. Beats, he just beats the shit out of the table. Like, fucking hits all the food, the fucking table, the plates and everything. Just fucking goes to town on it because he's like super mad because it looks like he's at Spaghetti Factory, but not really. I, I don't know what the deal is, but he fucking gets super pissed off and just bangs the shit out of the table. Do you like a what, Salvation Army drum. Do you want to know what's bonkers? The only thing he left was a bottle of ketchup unscathed it's there on the table he's just a big ketchup man right (laughs) brian and joanne then head down to the table and find everything fucking smashed meanwhile fucking patty and craig come out of like the back corner there and they walk in and everybody still assumes that it's john and joanne is like i'm gonna go fucking call the police i'm fucking done with this shit john aka red herring (laughs) They're all waiting as the police show up to get a report from the rest of them. 
like from Joanne about John. The police believe that they've already picked up John down the road based on the description that Craig gives them. So everybody kind of fucking like starts to relax because like Craig's like, this guy looks like this and blah, blah, blah. He looks like me, a little older than me. Fucking derped out Art Garfunkel. And it's like a really bad description. He's not like, oh, he's like Caucasian and he's like 5'9". He's a tall man. He's like, oh, like me with like weirder hair and older. It's a pretty fucking (laughs) shitty description. Do you like how that cop looked like if Dennis Leary had sex with Crispin Glover? (laughs) Looks like Opie. (laughs) (laughs) So everybody starts to relax. And they fucking go off to bed. We cut to Joanne. She's in her bedroom now. It's later in the night. And she's on the phone with her parents. And she's giving them an update about what's been going on at the school. When she hears something on the roof moving around. And that, like, fucking disturbs her. So she gets off the phone. And she tries to call Craig. No answer. She tries to call Brian. No answer. So she tries to call Patty. She gets Patty. And tells her, like, you got to come over here right now because I can't get a hold of Craig or Brian. Patty shows up in her fucking PJs. And Joanne's, like, fucking putting on, like, ski boots and fucking jeans and shit. And Patty's like, you should fucking call the police. And Joanne's like, I'll call him again, I guess. And she goes to do it. And she discovers the fucking... Dun, dun, dun. The phones are dead. You know what happens next? Everyone dies. No. Oh. Brian's pool game is cut short because well, of the Brian, power outage. Brian is playing pool, and the power goes out. And she goes to check on what's going on because the fucking power is out. And he's walking through the quad or whatever. And yes, oh, thank you. I was explaining how any of this made sense. Like, he's in a different building, and they're screaming at him. I, I don't know. So the- Yeah, so they spot him outside. And, like, Joanne and Patty are, like, on the balcony of Joanne's room. And they spot Brian, like, walking through, like, the quad or whatever. And they tell him, like, hey, fucking come up here. So Brian... Heads that way, but he meets the killer in the stairwell, and the fucking killer blinds Brian with, like, a flashlight. Blinded by the light. And he just starts fucking hacking to death with a fucking machete. Yikes. As Joanne and Patty hear Brian scream, and they're like, what's that noise? They're not sure that it's Brian, but... It's a prank. Right? Craig goes and knocks on the door, asking why the fuck the power's out. Patty and Craig then head downstairs while Joanne's like, I'm going to wait for Brian, despite the fucking screaming she's already heard. And as Craig and Patty are looking around in the kitchen for a way to turn on the light. Craig is being an obnoxious prick the entire time, like, ooga booga. <laughs> and apparently the 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 breaker box is in this kitchen. Sure. Not in like a basement or something sure. like that. It doesn't make fucking much sense to me. Craig and Patty, again, are looking for the fucking way to turn on the lights. As Patty notices a large pot that's boiling, like, on the stove for some reason. Do you know what that is? Why is this pot still boiling? That is a um, pressure cooker. An industrial-sized pressure cooker. It is massive. Craig then hears a noise, tells Patty to fucking stay put while he goes to investigate. While Craig's looking, he finds the fucking breaker box, and he starts to try to fucking turn on the lights. And he, like... Can't get it right, right? There's hundreds of them right in front of him, and he keeps doing it. And he's like, Patty, are the lights on now? Patty, is that it? And, like, like the appliances start turning on around her, and, like, Christmas lights start showing up. I love this fucking part. He accidentally turns the Christmas lights on, and Patty nervously replies, Merry Christmas, Craig! What's really weird is, like, all these appliances are on 
as he keeps flipping like the breakers. So like they never turn them off. So like there's like a meat slicer that's fucking going. Did it remind you and, of like, a, like a like a potato masher that's going? But it's like, did you not turn them off before the power went out? Well, why would they wouldn't still be running? Well, the electric gremlin showed up and fried. <laughs> I I got nothing, man. I'm not fucking taking a bullet for this movie. Yeah, they wouldn't still be running. But they, for some reason, are as, as Craig's like fucking tripping the breakers. Craig then gets knocked unconscious from behind, and wink, wink. we get the killer who grabs Patty from behind her in the shadows, <gasps> knocks her unconscious with an oven door as they're wrestling, which is hilarious. I mean, not for Patty, sorry. And then he takes her ass and he fucking throws her into that big ass fucking boiler, and it's like this huge pot that has like a lockdown lid. Like fucking Wiley Coyote style, puts her inside, fucking locks her in, and then just fucking boils her alive. Death seven. Steamed ham patties, Patty, because that's her name, because it's a pressure cooker. Steamed hams. Thank you. This time of year, uh, Patty's unconscious body is thrown into an industrial pressure cookie. She regains consciousness. And attempts to escape, but the killer slams the lid on her hands and locks her in. Craig then runs upstairs to Joanne's room, telling her that he was knocked out and that he cannot find Patty anywhere. I know where she is. We see John then walking out in the hallway with the fucking bloody machete that Brian was chopped to death with. And Craig and Joanne, who don't see him, decide to go looking for John because they think he's out there. They then... They then find, I'm sorry, they find John and they start to fight as Craig is knocked down the stairs. Do you just like sneeze on this dude and he passes out? Right? What's up? Big wuss. And John then pulls Joanne into the hallway and Joanne then like wrestles away from him and hides in another room as John's like chasing her down, begging and pleading with her that he is only trying to to help her and at this point this dude is just super max creepy sweating for no fucking reason he looks like fucking serious psycho art garfunkel it's nuts but he's like i'm only trying to fucking help you i'm not trying to fucking hurt you just come on out here joanne he says that in the creepiest way possible is hiding in this room from john she wants she like turns to like try to find another way out and that's when she comes across brian's fucking hacked up corpse death seven Baby back Brian. Brian's beautiful baby blue body is hacked into pieces. His arm is gone and his chunks and chunks are missing out of his head. It is messy at best. Oh yeah. And her like the machete that like Oh, it's just like what they use is like sitting on top of him. So Joanne grabs the machete and then opens the door to let John in. So as John comes in, Joanne hits him with the machete in the fucking arm, like causing like a big rush of blood to come out a big packet of ketchup to just and she fucking runs off and john chases after her with this fucking gimp arm just yelling at her not unlike friday the 13th part two as like craig comes to and here's joanne running and then he's like i'm gonna fucking chase him down they all make their way to the basement where joanne is now hiding from john all of this might have panned out but john uh has incel fucking no people skills and he's just trying like to get a chance of my lady's attention kind of thing so john finds her and again he insists that he is the 
only person that's trying to get her out of here alive. Oh, we're getting there. When he gets attacked by Joanne with a fire extinguisher. Craig then finds Joanne, and they both fucking go and hide from John. And then Craig tells Joanne that they're like he has a plan to escape from the fucking school. There's like a secret tunnel. Underground tunnel. Under the basement that leads to the street. So Craig and Joanne and make their way through the basement now while trying to like escape. Craig says that they need to confront John instead of running and attack him. I got very confused on all this. I was like, let's let's escape, but let's do this. Yeah, Yeah. he's like, no, we should fucking stand up for ourselves. So he tells Joanne that she needs to fucking be bait. So Joanne now goes out into like this open area of the basement and distracts John as bait while Craig comes from behind and attacks him. A fight breaks out between Craig and Art Garfunkel here. Joanne runs up from behind with the spiked baseball bat that we've seen earlier. Where did that even come from? It was like hidden in the basement for some reason. You know what? Uh, That's probably why they're renovating because there's just too many goddamn spiked baseball bats. Too many prison bats there. And she fucking hits John in the head with the baseball bat, killing him. Cracks him in the nugget. Death 8, the sound of silence. Right. But not like that terrible disturbed version. Hibbit Garfunkel gets home run derbied in the back of his nugget. Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> I mean, the guy really does look like our Carfunkel. He looks like some doppelganger fucking, like, shirt bargunkle or whatever. So now Joanne claims that they need to get the fuck out of there. Could you blame her? When Craig starts to gloat about how they killed John together. Tag team back and he's again. Like, start getting really weird. All of a sudden, Craig looks at Joanne. Ugh. This is when we get... The turning point of the movie, Craig admits that it's actually been him the whole time that has been killing everyone. Fucking Craig. We hate Craig's. Craig, I know it's Friday. You ain't got no job. But why you murder a motherfucker with spiked bats? Right? He tells her that John knew the whole time and he was trying to stop him when they both ended up killing him. So Joanne is now... An accomplice! To fucking... Manslaughter for no reason. The quagging. Joanne then knocks Craig down because he's fucking easily yeah. just pushed over. And she runs off to hide further in the basement. Craig's like chasing her and fucking around. And he's like yelling at her when she finally finds that exit tunnel that he was talking about. But it's closed off at the end with a giant ass sign that says, Close to the street. Also, there's rats. So, Craig runs off to find a flashlight as Joanne has been breaking light bulbs to keep herself hidden in the darkness here. You know, like Harry Warden. And she starts to look for another way out when Craig jumps out and grabs her. Ooga, booga, booga. Fucking puts his hand around her throat, tells her that he loves her, and that he's not going to hurt her like he did the others. And he shows her Patty's boiled-ass corpse that he's got, like, shoved in one closet. You mean Patty Melt? And then tells her that now John caught him killing Patty... And how that was how the whole thing started. Oh, he does the James Bond villain reveal. Oh, yeah. Then he takes her to Debbie's dead parents and Debbie's corpse's ass, which is another closet. Family reunion. It shows her fucking Debbie's crushed head. As he's looking at this and gloating, Joanne pushes Craig into this little yeah, closet. Yeah, this like... And locks him in there with Princess Vespa's dead body and her parents. And fucking locks him off for running off. And this is just... It's, just, it's such a weird scene because he's... He's so happy... 
that he just wants to show off these dead bodies. But it's super creepy at the same time. And I appreciate that because he's just like, look what I did for you. Look how much I love you. I killed all your friends for you. Mm. We mm. then finally see Bobby Lee show up. BLT! He's at the school now. He pulls up as Joanne is trying to escape up a ladder that is in the incinerator room. Craig catches her. She's crying with the ladder. And Bobby's like up top looking down through a vent. And he tries to go to help as Craig fucking pulls her back down. Joanne pleads with Craig to let her go. But Bobby Lee tries to get to Joanne all at the same time. But he's blocked. I'm sorry. She's blocked from escaping by Bill's dead corpse that is hanging over the ladder. Fucking Bill. God damn it. Craig then chokes Joanne, pulls her deeper into the basement, and threatens to kill her since she won't return his love. Bobby Lee comes around the corner as he's made his way into the basement as the police have now arrived up top to check on the kids that they haven't heard from for a while. Craig tells Joanne to keep quiet before he knocks her ass out, like fucking banging her head against like a fucking gas pipe. That's Yeah, no, I forgot about that. Craig then jumps out and attacks Bobby Lee as he's coming around the corner and a fucking another fist fight breaks out. Yeah, but Bobby Lee like beats the fucking teeth out of him. Oh, yeah. The police show up and they find Bobby Lee standing over Craig because he has beat fucking Craig's ass. Like, he is the hero of the fucking day. Craig's fucking on his back, beating the shit. He's bloody. And they pull the guns out. But they point at Bobby Lee. It's like, don't move, buster. Craig starts to shout how Bobby Lee has killed all his friends. And the fucking police, like, fucking train their guns on Bobby Lee. Bobby Lee is, like, sitting there proclaiming his innocence. He's like, we good, dog? Has fucking nothing to do with anything that's been going on. And we can see, like, Craig, Craig finds a trash knife. No, he pulls it out that he's got. Like, it's like a hidden fucking, like, serious fucking knife. So Craig pulls out this knife that he's had hidden the whole time. Lunges to stab him. And he starts to whisper to Bobby Lee. He's like, you're a dead man. You're a dead man. But the cops can't hear him. Bobby Lee... Freaking out, seeing the knife, knows that Craig's about to lunge and Doesn't stab him. Doesn't want to get stabbed. Fucking moves in to fucking get Bobby, or I'm sorry, to get Craig. The cops fucking take it the wrong way, and they fucking shoot Bobby Lee to death. He gets lit up like a Christmas tree, you as poor Craig bastard. just fucking lays there, fucking like, nothing happening to him. <laughs> the police then... Oh, sh- wait, hold up. Go ahead. Death number nine. Shoot first, ask questions never. The police then go to check on Craig, and they call for an ambulance... When Craig lies and tells the police that someone needs to go up and check on his friends who are on the seventh floor of the building. They're dead. The police try to make Craig leave with them, but he insists that he's just going to wait here in the basement until the cops come back for him. As the cops leave, without even noticing Joanne lying unconscious in the shadows, Craig grabs Joanne's body and he carries her while she's still unconscious. And he starts telling her that even though she can't hear him, he has to do this. He won't cause her any pain, like the pain she caused him. Oh, and he brings okay, her over Craig. We can justify to this that. Big-ass lit incinerator. We then hear the cops from the other room looking for Craig. And Word. one of there the cops go. suggests, hey, go back and look in the incinerator room. As Craig is still approaching it with Joanne's body. Cut we, to. We then get to our final scene. As the police are calling in the corner... Well, they tell the dispatch that they got a bunch of fucking dead kids, but they killed the guy who committed it all, and he will never bother anybody again. And as we start to see a bunch of white smoke come out of the incinerator Yikes. vent next to the cops, one of the cops comments how bad it smells and asks if it's supposed to smell that bad, and the other cop comments that it doesn't matter 
as they're tearing the school down anyway. Death 10. Barbecuing with my honey or... Ooh, that smell. Can't you smell that smell? Ooh, that smell. I never knew that was about... That the smell sm- that's around you. The smell of death. I was just like, motherfuckers be stinking or somebody shit them britches. Roll credits. The end. Man, at... We're gonna get to it in the final in the final cuts, but that was fun. Hey, Nachos, you wanna see a dead body? Fuck yeah! Alright, so we got ten deaths, eight of them on screen. First one, man, we never get his name, strangled to death, and then his hand is split with the machete. Number two, Debbie's father is hitting that with a spiked baseball bat. Three, Debbie's mother choked to death with a wire. Four Debbie! Debbie! Princess Vespa's head gets squished by a car. <laughs> Number five, Bill, drilled in the head with the electric drill. Six, Brian, chopped it with the machete. Yep. Seven, Patty, boiled alive. Eight, John, beat to death. Nine, Bobby Lee, shot to death by the police. Ten, Joanne, burned alive in the incinerator. Woof. Nachos, what was your favorite kill? Uh, best death, kill drill, volume ooh. Just those little fucking giblets spinning around on the drill of like, that. That's gross. Uh, this is why we do this together. So, Jeffy, I, what you got? So I actually had Joanne as my favorite death because that's that very fun. After, imp- but it's not a gory death, but the impact it has. If you look at my notes, I have changed it, and it is Bill. Once I finished everything, I went back and I was like, no, honestly, it's Bill. That is the best, best death in the movie. Honestly, not only in the movie, but that is one of, and I'm going to say it, I don't care who fucking argues with me, the best death in horror movie history. Oh, and here's like, the reason what are we why. talking, top 20? I'd say top five. And here's the reason why. It's not a, it's not a special death. It's not a interesting death. But with the special effect, which isn't fantastic, but the fact that they hold his head down in the sink, pull the drill out, and slowly go into him. And they don't cut away. Like, you see it penetrate his skull slowly, right? And then really go in, and it's like spitting the guts out at it and stuff like that. And you see it from a couple different angles. And it is a long scene. Clearly, that's from the unedited version. It is really good. It is really good. It probably lasts about 15 seconds. And yeah, it is. it is from my... Uh, death dorm 88 minute unedited version so but it's still good even in the regular dorm literature blood version that that is just that is a really good death like you've got so many driller killer movies like the driller killer or slumber party massacre right where you don't even get like the gore that this single death supplies throughout the entire movie because they cut away so much because they are trying to go for you know, an MPAA rating. And in this sense, and we're going to talk about later why they weren't, you get such a good sequence here. I just thought that the Bill death was just the best. It's the coolest. It's gruesome. And it's nasty. Plus, when he smashes the radio later, and you still see, like, that's just a, the hair and the skull fucking, like, like, stuck to the fucking drill. That's so cool. So you ready for stuff you should know? Well, I was going to ask you. Uh, Craig, is he a lame villain? Well, we're going to get to that when we do the final cuts. Oh, all right, all right. You ready for some stuff you should know? Yeah, hit me. So, the movie had two alternate titles other than the Dorm of the Drip Blood. 
it was called Pranks, and originally it was called Death Thorn. I get that. The title on many of the home release versions of the movie shows pranks during the opening credits. What pranks? Even it, yeah, even in my Blu-ray, it's not. Yeah, I have. I don't know why they called it pranks. I have no idea. But like, when I first watched it, before I watched the Death Dorm eighty-eight uncut, eighty-eight minute uncut version, um, it said pranks. Even though my DVD clearly says Dorm That Drip Blood. What do you think was the better title? Uh, what's up? What do we have? Pranks, pranks Death, Death Dorm, and the... Dorm That Drip Blood. God, it's a real, <clears throat> a real coin toss between the Dorm That Drip Blood and. Dorm, Doom Dorm, Death Dorm, the Dorm that drip blood. See, I say the same thing. I think that the Dorm that drip blood, not only is the better title, but I think it's one of the best titles of a horror movie I've ever heard of. It's so cheesy, but it explains exactly what's going on. You know exactly what we're getting into, right? You're at a college. It's bloody. Murders are happening. It's super fun. I don't know why, but I just think that the Dorm that drip blood is the best title that they could have chosen for this. And I don't understand why they had to do all these other ones, but they changed it so many times, it's fucking super convoluted and confusing. Like, it may not be the best horror movie of all time, but you know what? It has a title where we're still talking about it fucking 35 and some change years later, you know? What do you think's a better title? Dorm the Drip Blood or Scream? Well, Scream was originally going to be called Scary Movie, but... Uh... Scream because it's just right. Ah, fuck, I don't know, man. See, I go with Dorm Drip Blood. I just uh, think it's a really cool title. I think it's better than most horror movie titles. Uh, the filming itself was shot primarily on the UCLA campus. The film was shot over the Christmas break, the actual Christmas break of UCLA, so that the filmmakers holy shit wouldn't disrupt the student body during their filming, and the completed film was turned in by the directors as their final project before graduating from UCLA. You know what I just figured out? Christmas break. John Hermit's there because he's fucking Jewish. That's why he's there. John Hemet is Jewish? Yeah, John Hermit, John Hemish, whatever. That's why he's on campus because, like, he's Jewish and he doesn't have a family because he's an orphan. He's got that Jufro. Yes, he fucking does. Birds are getting caught in that shit. And lastly... Um, That's a reach. This movie was shot, again, on UCLA, but it was filmed with UCLA property. They were film students at UCLA. They used all UCLA film stuff. Uh, everybody was a student of the, of the college. They had the special effects guy who was a student of the college. He went on to do like tons of special effects for like bigger movies. The score was done by somebody who went on to do bigger movies. It's kind of crazy that these guys kind of all cut their teeth on this. And I don't know. It's just interesting to me that it was like a film project that they did, and it ended up being a, a massive U.S. release. So Nachos McWerewolf, final cuts and rating. Uh, I don't really have any final cuts, but I definitely have a rating. Well, what do you think about the movie? What's your final cuts, final thoughts? Um, So, like... It's a competent horror movie as a standalone kind of thing. The villain fucking sucks. Uh, I think this is what we suffer. Uh, this is what I refer to as lame villain fatigue. Like, what, this is our fourth episode. What what have we had so far? Cropsy, super competent, amazing killer. You know, he's, he's MVP. He's an A+. 
Mardi Gras face was a fucking piece of garbage bullshit. Lame villain. Uh, and then we have Marty. Not Gras, anything, but just... Marty Ranson? Yeah. He was competent as long as he had that mask on, but as soon as he didn't, he wasn't. Or if any of that even counted in the first place. I don't know. What's your rating? Four white girls and an incinerator out of um, ten. <laughs> well, I got to disagree with you. I really like this movie. As I was telling Nachos before we even started the movie. But uh, that ending's amazing. That genuinely, yeah. As we were, as we were before we even started the, the episode, I'm sorry, not the movie. Uh, I kept saying, hey, I had to rewind this several times to do my notes because I just kept enjoying the movie so much. Just knowing the fact that this was released along such big budget titles as like Evil Dead 2 and Friday the 13th Part f- uh, 6 and stuff like that. Uh, you know, it was it was really, really cool. I really enjoyed it. I'm sorry, not Friday the 13th Part 6. Evil, no. Yeah, I'm thinking of the movie. Uh, Psycho 2, Video Drone, Sleepaway Camp. This movie is was just a film school project by these guys, and they worked hard. So this was a fuck off movie with some buddies kind of thing. Well, like I said they filmed it and they presented it as their own student project. Their thesis, and they were able to secure. It was good enough to secure a theatrical release, which then got a nation nationwide release, and then we are now reviewing it now. I mean, it's not like we just had to like dig it out of some cove or anything like that. This is a pretty Hell, Randy talks about it in the original screen. It's it's a fun You're movie. Right. You're knowing, right. Knowing all these facts, when you look at the way the film is shot, like the POV is very shaky. Well, There's really, really, really that, bad cuts where like it's like it's Joanne and Patty like talking to each other, and it's like very shaky how they cut to Joanne, and then they cut to Patty, and cut to Joanne. Kind of gives you a headache a little bit. And if you're like, oh, well, that doesn't make it any better. No, you're right. It makes it worse. But here's the problem. This isn't a major Hollywood motion picture. These are a couple of people who made a film student movie on campus, and it became a semi-cult phenomenon. Plus, it's a pretty competent movie. You don't know that Craig's the killer till the end. I like that they don't give it away. I kind of smelt it a little earlier on, just kind of... You did. The first time we watched this, you did say that you thought that Craig was the killer at the point where he knocks himself out. Right. It's just... It's a little too suspicious. Right? I mean, that's... But that is standard movie horror trope at that point where it's like, oh, he got knocked unconscious well, and everybody else point, gets killed. I don't think killed. it's a trope. I think this is like one of the forerunners kind of thing, you know? But you have the benefit of knowledge at this point. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, big So time. you can smell it, see it. You understand what it feels like when you step in it. Plus, like Nacho said, and in my opinion, probably the best ending to a horror movie because here's the thing. Craig... Doesn't get blamed for any of the killings. He doesn't get caught. And he kills the final girl in one of the worst ways possible. And the cops are just making fucking jokes so about it. So nonchalant about it. That, yeah. that is like... I'm not saying that shock is as good as like Friday the 13th or Sleepaway Camp. But it's not too far behind. It's pretty good. I think that it's... Like I said, one of the better ones for sure, if not the best, just because it's original. It's very original. Yeah, it's nothing like The Burning. This is one where the killer gets away. Oh, wait, wrong movie. I'm thinking 
fucking and slaughter high. Like no one is the wiser about it. So Black Christmas. We're let well The OG. We never even see the killer at that point. You you see his like like by not binocular. I would say that Black Christmas is the better movie, but I think that that Dharma the Drip Blood has the better ending. Mm. It's just my opinion. Anyway, Nachos, anything else to say before we end up the movie? Ugh. Would you like to see a sequel of this movie? I would. This is one where I would love to see a sequel, even maybe possibly a remake. Holy shit, this is a prequel. Because I would love to see what happens to Craig. I got it. This is a prequel to American Psycho. Actually, Craig goes on to Berkeley, and he becomes Mickey from Scream 2. Scream 2. <laughs> Holy shit. I would love to see either a sequel or remake of this movie. I would love that. You? Uh, if they made a remake, they, they would need to address a couple matters. But... Um... Eh, I've seen worse. I've seen much worse. All right. Well, that's all I've got. Um, last minute thoughts. You guys definitely check us out. We're on iTunes, Google Play, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, any place that you can fucking find us. Uh, any place you can find a fucking podcast, we're on there. We're hosted by Podbean. And send us some feedback. We would love to hear what you guys uh, and gals or whatever. Absolutely. We're on Instagram at here comes the spooky. We're on Twitter and Facebook at Here Comes Spooky. We have uh, email address at Here Comes the Spooky at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. Come find us. Give us suggestions if you want to hear something else on the podcast. But don't be bossy. Or if you want to like a movie that you want us to review, for sure, let us know. And again, we want to give a shout out to Horrible Horror. Check those guys out. Oh, if if you haven't heard them, they they have a hundred and almost seventy plus catalog. They're really fucking fun. And they're from this area. I mean, since we're already your second favorite horror movie podcast, they should be your first. Yeah, just make them the first already. Let them know. So, really appreciate it. Episode 5, make sure you check back on us with Nachos and I. Check out... Oh, Brewster! You're so cool! You're so cool, Brewster! All right, Evil Ed. Take her easy. It's Fright Night. For real.